welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. Um, I know that for many of us, Christmas has been started since Home Depot put up the Christmas decorations on the second week of September. Um, but, uh, you know, for us here at Hope on the church calendar, Christmas officially, the Christmas season has officially begun. It's the beginning of the church year. And so I'm going to pray for us this morning at the beginning of our year. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to ask around. We have some time this morning because uh, we're going to do communion next week because it's a membership Sunday. So we're going to do communion next week. Um, and so I'll just take some, a moment here and we can do some prayer requests. Uh, one of the ones that I'm going to add is that uh, Jim Bergstrom is in the hospital. Uh, uh, another one of his kind of dizzy, fainting spells things. Um, but the, the kind of the blessing in this is that when he got to the hospital, he kind of had that same feeling again. And so they, they were looking at this, of course, I was at the, I was at the hospital at the Bergstrom's on Friday, and, um, and he was kind of like, he was kind of like, hey, this is actually a good thing, because uh, now uh, they've t taken an EKG while I've had the symptoms, and so now maybe we can have answers. And so we're going to pray for answers and healing, and I think he has a procedure tomorrow, so for the procedure tomorrow, so for Jim. What else can we be praying for this morning? Yeah, yeah. Should I say why? Or? Yeah, so Sa Sandra's grandfather passed away, and Sal's dad. So, um, so we're going to be praying for their family, for Sal and Sandra and the whole family. Yeah, Stephanie. Yeah. Cancer surgery for Carrie. What else do we have this morning? Yeah. For our military being away during the holidays and their families. Mm -hmm. So for the military, can I add um, to the military, all those who have to be away from family on the holidays. So I think of, the, I, I had a um, family member of mine, we had to call the ambulance. She was fine, but... Um, but you know, all of them, all of the firefighters and paramedics who were at my house on Thanksgiving instead of at their homes. So, you know, emergency workers, hospital workers, military, obviously overseas, police officers who are on duty, all that. Yeah. Yeah, Dale, your dad had back surgery, right? So for recovery and praise that the surgery went well. Excellent. Wonderful. Okay. I'm also going to pray for our, um, our two elders uh, as part of the congregation, Jean and Ruth. Um, they are now both living in assisted care, um, but, but wonderfully so. Karen and Jim got to visit them a couple weeks ago. So let's go to God in prayer, and I'm going to pray for the message as well this morning. Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, we pray this morning for all of those things in our lives which we haven't named here. We leave space now to lift those things up to you.
God, we all need you in one way or another. Some of us need you because during the holiday season, we long and grieve for those who we've lost. Some need you, Lord, because they are estranged from family. I think of all of the Beds clients who need you, especially in this season when others are gathering around tables. They don't have a table to gather around. Lord, I pray also for those who it's by their own service that they, that they are away. For those 24-hour services that are so necessary for us, for firefighters, for police officers, for hospital staff, nurses, doctors, specialists, for the military overseas, for even simple things like government workers who we might never think of, Lord, for all of those who are away from their, their, their families, not through estrangement, but by choice in service to their neighbor, we thank you for them. Lord, we also pray for those who have had successful procedures. We pray for Dale's father, successful back surgery. We pray for those who are, we hope have successful procedures tomorrow, for Jim and for Carrie. We pray for comfort for both of them, peace for the, both of them and for their families. Lord, we pray for our elders who even now sit in assisted care living facilities in their 80s or in their hundreds. We know, Lord, that they worship you this morning, and though they are far from you, far, far from us, they are not far from you. And Lord, we pray for those who have gone before us, for all those who have lost family member, but especially this morning for Sal and for Sandra, the loss of Sal's dad. Lord, we know that this is a hard time for those losses to occur, but we also know that the hope that is in you makes all loss sting less. We pray for those who are grieving, and we pray, Lord, for the message this morning, that you would find a way to speak boldly, as you have been for the last 2,000 years, as you did in the Incarnation. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. One, I, I, I failed to mention this to Phil, one brief announcement, and I think I've told you guys already, but high school youth group is not on for tonight because of Thanksgiving. Um, and in two weeks, on the 15th, I think that's a Sunday, um, is our, our high school Christmas party. So it's a great time if you've never been to high school youth group before. Um, or if you want to invite some friends, it's just kind of a fun time. We're going to do a white elephant and some other things. But that will be here um, at Hope. I know it's kind of awkward. Sometimes we're there, sometimes we're here. So just that note. So uh, this is week one of Advent. Advent, the season of preparation, the first season in the church calendar. And I have the wonderful honor of kicking off Advent for us this morning. Most of you are probably not expecting to see me up here this week because I preached last week. But that's going to be the thing. We're always going to keep you guessing. You'll never know who's going to preach. Oh, man, I really don't like John. I'm only going to come on the weeks that Phil's preaching. Psych. 
Um, I could be, I, I might be here, you never know. Um, so, you know, uh, but Phil will be preaching uh, the next two weeks, maybe. Um, but no, Phil will be preaching the next two weeks, but uh, I get to kick this one off because we were discussing Advent, and the first word is hope. And um, I didn't even think about this at the time, but I was like, oh yeah, I really want to tackle hope. And, and you know, we, we talked about the, what we we're going to be talking about in the greater Advent scheme. And then I got up here and I realized like, oh man, I'm really monopolizing on hope here. I mean, we got it as the name. Now I'm going to preach on hope. You know, it's just, you know that's, I, I feel like I'm really uh, stealing all the hope thunder from Fellowship Bible people. But, um, but it's okay because the hope of Jesus is for everyone. It's for everyone. It's a crazy thing. And so we're going to be talking this morning about Advent. We're going to be talking about hope. And I, and I, want to, I, want to, I don't want to separate hope too far out here, but I want to talk about hope as preparation. Okay? Hope as preparation. Because a lot of times we think of hope as a passive thing. Hope is something that we possess. We have hope. But that actually, I think that that doesn't do the word justice. That doesn't give us uh, the right understanding of what hope is. Because actually hope is something that takes persistence. You actually have to hope for something. You, you can't, sometimes you can, you know, you can just kind of passively hope for the, you know, like, uh, let me give you an example. Like, I hope that the Bears win. Here's the thing. I, I, have, I have no way of controlling the outcome of that hope. I might have false optimism, but I, I, you know, I have no way of controlling the outcome of that hope. I do not dictate whether Mitchell Trubitsky is good Mitch or bad Mitch. Yes, I'm tokening it just like Rex. Good Rex, bad Rex. Remember when we did that in 2006? We got to the Super Bowl and then bad Rex. But anyway, um, you know, Mitchell Trubitsky, whether he's good Mitch, I don't have any say in that. So I can, I can hope for that, but, but, what, but, but that's a passive hope. That's just me. Oh, I, 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 I hope. But then there's preparation. Let me give you an example of preparation. Uh, when the Bears were in the playoffs in 2006, I had a guy at my church named Jim Geek. Some of you guys might know Jim. Um, Jim is a nut for the Bears, okay? Jim is a nut for football generally, but Jim is a nut for the Bears. On the Turkey Bowl, uh, which is our annual tradition at, at uh, Winnetka Covenant Church, we'd go and show up on Thanksgiving at like 7 in the morning or 8 in the morning or 9 in the morning, I don't know, and play football. Jim would be there in shorts and a t-shirt, okay? It would be like 30 degrees in the morning of Thanksgiving. He's there, shorts and a t-shirt, with like six-inch spikes on, running wind sprints at 5.30 in the morning, all right? Jim loved, I'm sorry, yes, Jim Geek loved football, all right? Understand. When the Bears were in the playoffs, he was so confident that they were going to make the Super Bowl. And he was, he was like, I have to prepare for my hope. Right? It's crazy, but Jim is crazy. He turned his living room, he, he, he brought in painters. He's also, I think, an investment, so he has a little bit of money. He brought, he brought in painters. He did a tape line. He painted the bottom two-thirds of his living room orange and the top third blue. He removed all of his furniture and put it in, his, uh, put it in a storage facility that he rented for this purpose and bought bleachers <laughs> and layered bleachers, all right? It took him weeks to do this when the Bears were like, but he's like, this is for the Super Bowl party. So he's, so he layers the bleachers, okay? He, he, like, I, I, I try to remember everything he did. So he had a fireworks display, which was illegal, but he had set aside money to pay for the fines, 
He, he contracted a drone flyover before, during the national anthem. He brought in a professional singer to sing the national anthem in his living room and had a drone flyover. It took weeks and weeks to prepare, but Jim had hope. Not hope like me. Like, I bought a Bears t-shirt. That's not hope compared to Jim, <laughs> geek, all right? But Jim, is a, he's a fanatic. He's a true fan. His Sunday, he's a, a great Christian man. He posts now on Facebook more about Jesus than he does about the Bears. But his Sunday, he was focused. Every single Sunday, we went to a traditional church. Robes, stoles, big candles, the whole thing, you know? Bells and smells, the whole nine, pipe organ. He wore a Bears jersey every week they played. We were in suits. He prepared. But I feel like many of us don't actually prepare for hope. We just commemorate hope. It's weird. How can you commemorate something that's supposed to be for the future? We actually do hope a great disservice in Advent, I think often. We have a church calendar season. We literally have an entire season that is devoted, the candles, remember, devoted to preparation. It's devoted to us not having, to us, for us having to wait for something. But we live in such an instant gratification culture that we don't know how to wait for things. So instead what we do on Christmas is we commemorate what's already happened rather than hope for what's going to happen. The season of Advent, historically in the church calendar, is really interesting. A lot of my African-American brothers and sisters in seminary, actually it was undergrad, in undergrad didn't understand Advent. They didn't get it. Because they were like, why are we preparing for Jesus to come? Jesus is already here. And a lot of them had went to churches with charismatic gifts. So they were like, we, Jesus, the Holy Spirit shows up every week in church. Why are we going like, to like, tell the Holy Spirit, okay, you wait outside for four weeks until, we, until you show up? They didn't get it until we had a professor explain to us in class, no, 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 Advent, preparation in Advent is not about preparing for the birth of Jesus. It's about preparing for the return of Jesus, which we celebrate in the birth of Jesus. We celebrate, we commemorate something that really is about preparation for something else. It's kind of complicated. But in understanding this, hey, Jess, could you give me a cup of water? Can you give me a cup of water? Thanks. Sorry. I'm like really dying up here. I've been working with a lot of plaster dust, and it's just in my throat right now. Just in there. Okay. Um, we, we anticipate, we commemorate what we anticipate. And here's the interesting thing. In order to understand what we're supposed to be anticipating, we have to ask a very simple question. It's really the only question that I'm going to ask this morning. Thank you very much. Look, Nalgene, she gave me a lot. I can save it up here. We have to ask one question, and I'm going to read it and then drink so that you can think about it. What is the Christian hope? This is the problem with analogy. They have really large, large mouths. Okay. What is the Christian hope? I'm actually, it's not a rhetorical question. I'm asking you. What is the Christian hope? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Anybody? Nobody? Reconciliation, great word. What does it mean? Bringing back together of all things. That's the Christian hope. How many people would say heaven is the Christian hope? Nobody. Oh, I can sit down. You guys got the answer. 
Most Christians think that heaven is the Christian hope. Being with Jesus. We're just waiting to die so that we can go and be with Jesus. Salvation. Christ's return. There we go. See, this is the thing. This is the thing. Most people, when you ask them, what is Christianity about? What's it leading up to? They say, it's leading up to what happens after I die. Why are you a Christian? Because I want to go to heaven. When in reality, the Christian hope is so much bigger than eternal life in this kind of metaphysical, disembodied state. Christian hope, according to N.T. Wright, who's one of the greatest scholars alive today, is actually has very little to do with life after death. It has much more to do with the life after the life after death. Let that bake your noodle for a minute. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about what we're actually anticipating. When we say Christian hope, or when we say the hope of Advent, or we say the hope of what's coming in the future, what do we hope for? We actually have to do less, if, if we're going to follow Scripture, we have to do less talking about heaven, which really doesn't make much of an appearance in Scripture, and much more talking about the new kingdom, which is Jesus' primary message. Do you know that? The, 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 the word heaven, by and large, the word garden, which is translated heaven for us, very, very rare in Scripture. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, but he's really talking not about heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of earth when he says the kingdom of heaven is the way. But generally, I mean, when he talks about, you know, forever you will be with, forever you will be with me in paradise, like that, that whole thing, you know, this, this idea, those, those verses that we hang our hats on, those are very few, only a couple. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying that Jesus didn't seem to focus very much on heaven. Jesus focused on reconciliation. Jesus focused on the Christian hope, which is something different than what pop culture would tell you Christians believe. And so, Christian hope for this world, and this is where I'm going to land here, is not about us going or being somewhere out there. It's more about what we do now to prepare for what's going to happen right here. We have to be more gym geek about Advent. And that doesn't mean that we need to decorate our house more or go more fanatical with the Christmas lights or buy an entire table at Lucia, although I highly recommend it because the food's delicious. It means that we have to be fanatical about the new hope, which is the hope of Christmas, which was the hope from the very beginning. It's not about an escape from the physical world. It's about Jesus' return to our world. And so when you ask, okay, so what is end time? So, 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 you know, we could go into this whole, and I'm not going to do this. We could do a whole sermon series on the eschatology of Revelation. But, but the, you know, the time, the things of all, you know, that happens at the end of time. But I think that, I think it's important just to mention in passing. When we talk about these things, we talk about the Christian hope, even saying Jesus returns, 
understand that even that can be misinterpreted and, and misunderstood. And I'm not, this is going to bore you, so I'm not going to go into it much, but I have to say it. Even that can, misunder, can, can create misunderstanding. Because even in pop culture, when we see those events, when we see eschatological events happening, almost always we see, because this is the, the prevailing narrative in American evangelicalism, that like all the Christians are going to disappear, and then the world's going to be left, and just people are going to be knifing each other. All right? Like that's not, that's not what Jesus says. He says, look, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to bring peace, joy, love. So hope that I come back and bring peace, joy, and love. Don't hope that I appear in the sky and, and all the Christians are left and like their clothes are left on the ground, right? And then they, and all the non-Christians start killing each other. That's not the hope of, of the Bible. That's the whims of American evangelicalism, taking the Bible and saying, oh, we got to make an action movie because that's what sells. Or an action book. And so what does that have to do with Christmas? Everything. I know, it doesn't make much sense. Everything. Because Christmas is about incarnation. It's a fancy word for God becoming human. That's what Christmas is all about. We celebrate that the God of Christianity, rather than simply observe or, or intervene um, in, in the ways in which other world religions, gods did, by and large... They intervened from a distance in like meteorological events, like weather systems, right? How does God intervene? There's a drought. That's God intervening. How does God intervene? It started raining. Now God's intervening. There's a tornado. The Red Sea got parted, right? Rather than simply what we, what we celebrate in Christianity is that our God is not a God that acts that way primarily, but rather is a What's been whispered in the ears of the prophets is a God who puts on human skin and dwells among us in incarnation. I think that this is probably the most accepted thing in Christianity that we should have a huge, this should change everything that we believe if we're incarnational Christians. I believe incarnation actually, I mean, I'm not going to go this far and try and prove it to you, but I actually think incarnation is the most radical event in 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 human history, even more radical in many ways than the resurrection. Because when you think about it, God is this, is, is according to scripture, right, according to the authors of scripture, God is this, this all-powerful being that is not really substantive, okay? God is just a spirit. God is love. And God can do anything. God created the entire world and everything in it with a word. God created all of the systems of natural science, physics. God created the cosmos, which, by the way, the world, really, really small. The cosmos, really, really big, right? Like, God created all things. So this, this, this completely unhuman entity, who's so transcendent and beyond everything that we could ever understand, so much so that even saying God's name to the early people of Judaism, Yahweh, was, was heresy. Because even if you spoke his name, then you degraded him. Understand, this is the God and that we are talking about. We are talking about this massive, overwhelming, all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent, uh, on and on, defies the laws of physics, became a baby. What's... What's more impressive to you? What's more 
shocking to you. That God came to earth as a human being or anything else you've ever read in Scripture. See, I think that, that, that actually when we talk about preparation, when we talk about what's coming later, we have to understand that it's all based in this idea of hope for incarnation, that Jesus would come back. And so, great on time, perfect. And so, this is where we go from here. Understanding this, this general concept, which is, it's a hard one to wrap your mind around, which is why I'm not going very far with it today. Just think about it, just consider it. Understanding that our hope is in preparation because our hope is, in, is, is incarnational. It comes from the incarnation. Understanding just those two simple facts. That that's what Christmas is about. It's about preparing for Jesus to come again. We should completely reframe the way that we do Christmas. And I'm not going to say that we should do away with the things that we do. There's just more stuff we ought to add. Because I love Christmas stuff. I'm just like all of you. Well, maybe not all of you. Maybe some of you don't love Christmas stuff. You're not a Christian. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, but no, seriously. Like, right, I love 93.9 Light FM. Like, I just, I, the day after Thanksgiving, I turned it on, and it brought me sheer joy. I love Christmas trees. They're not necessarily Christian symbols, but who the heck cares? They're awesome and smell good. And they remind me of Christmas. I love getting together with family and, and sitting around a table. I love watching teenage girls walk with coffee down the aisle singing with lit candles on their heads. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. So I'm not saying we get rid of it. I'm just saying if, if we're going to prepare for Christmas like the early Christians did, if we're going to prepare for the new coming of Jesus by referencing the old coming of Jesus, by saying, hey, there was this crazy event in history that God became a human being, and what we're hoping for is that God comes back as a human being again. If we're, if we're saying that's really the hope, let's just start preparing that way. Let's start preparing in the world for the new creation that's coming. Because we prepare for everything in our lives that's important. We do. Give you an example. My wife is pregnant. We, we prepare, right? What if when we found out that Jess was pregnant, we did nothing? We bought no baby carriage cradle. We're minimalist, so everything from Matt, gone. Anyway, we bought nothing. We did nothing. Didn't go to doctor's appointments. We didn't take, she didn't take prenatal vitamins. She didn't change her eating habits to drink less caffeine or, you know, all the things that you're supposed to do. What if we just pretended that it wasn't going to happen? And we said, oh, we know it's going to happen. We didn't do anything about it. Y'all think we were crazy. And so that's the question for you this morning. If you say you believe it, but you don't prepare for it, are you just crazy? Or at least lying? You'd probably think more than I was crazy than we were just not really pregnant. That's the truth. That's probably what you would think. 
And I wonder if the world looks at the church, this organization that's supposed to be preparing for the new kingdom of Jesus, and they see us thoroughly not preparing, and they go, there's no way they believe that. I mean, maybe they believe that God came as a human being. I mean, they do a big hullabaloo about that, right? They start in October celebrating that this thing happened once, but they can't possibly believe it's going to happen again. Look at how they act. I think that's where we got to get to. That's where we got to get to. We're going to prepare this season in a variety of ways for Christmas. We're going to shop, we're going to cook, we're going to clean because guests are coming over and please clean your house. My mom never cleaned when I was growing up and it was horrible. My, my grandmother would get there and she'd be like, oh. <laughs> One time, my next door neighbor called the police because before Christmas, my grandmother was watching me because my mom was a nurse. So on Christmas Eve, my grandmother, I think it was Christmas Eve, my grandmother was watching us and she knew everybody was coming over for Christmas, but my mom was working, so she was at the hospital. And my, my next door neighbor, the one who uh, we had to call the police for <laughs> last on, on Christmas, on Thanksgiving, she called the police because she thought my grandmother was hanging from the chandelier because she was dusting it. Okay, please, please clean. You don't need to be calling the cops because you think that your, your next door neighbor's mother-in-law is hanging from the chandelier, all right? Like, you don't need to do it. Just dust your chandelier, okay. We're going to Christmas card write, or as I call it, baby boomer Facebook. We're going to celebrate Jesus' birth. We're going to prepare for Jesus to come again, but are we going to prepare for Jesus to come again? fully. Let me give you a couple examples how you can do this. So if, you're wanna, if you want to do all those things, great. If you want to spend your time also preparing for Jesus to come back, here's some places to start. Number one, prepare with hope. Prepare with expectation, like Jim Geek prepared with expectation, like Jess and I prepare with expectation. Prepare with expectation, with hope. Do it this way. Love mercy, seek justice, walk humbly. Like, that's just really easy. It's in Micah. Um, it's a great verse. Forgive someone. Because I love how Phil says this. If you're going to have to spend eternity with someone, you don't want to be doing that when you haven't forgiven them. Forgive them now in anticipation that eternity has already begun. Love someone who's unlovable because if you're going to be spending eternity with them, love them. Don't wait. Start now. Give to someone who will never give anything back to you. Don't give to someone with the expectation of return. Just give to someone. Send somebody a card and just tell them that you're grateful for them. So, you know, just stuff in an envelope. I'm grateful for you. Sign your name. Otherwise, it's weird. Send it. And yes, still drink a peppermint latte by a crackling fire while you're wrapping presents with a pie in the oven surrounded by your family watching the Hallmark Channel for the next 25 days. Do it. Do that too. But make sure that you remember in the midst of it the true meaning of Christmas is not only what happened 2,000 years ago, but is the amazing thing that we prepare for now. Amen.